Welcome to our next episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. This is Bob Mosier, one of the many co-hosts you'll meet throughout this series. So friends, are you trying to learn more about the Five Moments of Need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them and even sell them as an approach to your enterprise. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer proven ways to put the five moments of need into practice. Okay, friends, welcome back to another Performance Matters podcast. Bob Mosier here for your host today, as was introduced in the beginning. We are very excited that you're back. Appreciate your downloads. Appreciate your feedback. Please continue to have that coming. We are trying to do our very best to have these be topics and ideas that meet your needs. With that framing, we couldn't be doing a better one today. The most popular of our podcast by far is what we're calling Experience Matters. It's from all the wonderful folks out there in the world trying to get their arms around five moments, do the best they can with it. We are fortunate enough to have people join us who are (laughs) risk takers and willing to share the good, bad, and ugly about what's going on today. And we're honored to have a dear friend of mine for quite a long time, Chris Blocker from Autodesk. Join us today. Chris, welcome. Thanks, Bob. Glad to be here. It is wonderful hearing your voice, my friend. Things are well? So far, so good. (laughs) That is good to hear. It is interesting times, that's for sure. So, hey, let's get down to this. So, again, I don't do the intro thing. I don't have people send me bios and read from those things. Probably best if you can give us some context of your journey. So a little bit about your background and and sort of how you got into this and responsibilities with your team so that people can have a little context about where you're coming from. Sure. I've been in the content world for almost 25 years now, starting with a publishing company back in Boston and uh, working my way through training and learning, which is where I met you, Bob, Mm -hmm. and ultimately landing here at Autodesk. Uh, Autodesk is a software company based in San Francisco, California, and there I am the principal content experience designer for Fusion 360. Mm -hmm. I also work through content strategy for them. Love experience designer. That is a cool role. We have struggled with naming the role for years, and uh, <laughs> content experience designer seems like it's uh, kind of the sweet spot for us. Yeah, I like it. So, hey, friend, you have a wonderful past. I've known your great work outside of the company and role you have now, so it's been wonderful to watch you go through that. It's been great to watch you mature through this. Give us a little bit about what is the pull or push or, frankly, desire to go into the five moments. Why the five moments of need now for your organization? What's the driver? So we have, as, as most large companies, we have a lot of restructuring and reorganizations that happen in, internally. And in the recent year or two, we landed in a kind of a sweet spot where a lot of content ideas that we've had in the past that I bounced off of you at various times, we've been able to bring to bear. And it, it's kind of a planets aligning situation hmm. where we have a management that is very focused on making our software as discoverable and learnable as possible, as well as a design organization that is supportive. And we are working now with a development organization. So Mm. it's just, it was kind of um, fortuitous. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting alignment, frankly, that you're all kind of getting getting behind the customer and the and the use of the product. That's pretty impressive. Having been a part of a software company at my, myself at one time or another, you know, so what's the, your interest in applying this now? What's your focus with the five moments? Well, again, with so many organizations within one product, we mm. 
all generate a lot of content for yeah. various purposes. And there was a lack of awareness in many cases and, and just a misunderstanding of who is responsible for what types of content. So we wound up in this new situation where suddenly we're kind of all thrust into the same room, if you will. And the discoveries were happening. Oh, you do this kind of content? Oh, we do too. Well, why do you do that? Why do we do that? You know, and it's really, I kind of think of it as a, a game of 52 pickup where you take the deck of cards and just kind of throw it on the floor. And then it's a matter of getting those cards back in order in the deck. Mm. And so we are still discovering repositories of content that we didn't know. And as we went through, the responsibilities were somewhat vague and everyone is doing their best to fill what they perceive as gaps in the content right. pool. And so we would take these gaps and we would wind up duplicating effort in some case. In some cases, we would do it better than the other teams. In some cases, we do it less useful than the other teams. So the quality of the content in various scenarios were differing too much. Mm -hmm. We had multiple different uh, patterns and, and processes for developing the content. So the five moments of need really gave us a rallying point. Mm -hmm. And by making it about the subscriber and their moments of need, it really got everybody to the table. Wow. And that was a powerful realization for us. You know what I think is so powerful, Chris, about your story, and you've been gracious enough to let me peek in at times and, and look at your good work, is that I think one of the more misunderstood values of this methodology, we talk about the pyramid all the time. Listeners are probably quite familiar with that. But we spend an awful lot of time, frankly, at the top of it, which makes sense because it's all about where the person enters and accessibility to steps, i.e. people think of help systems, obviously, when they think of performance support and such. But your, your move towards content aggregation, content centralization, the lower parts of the pyramid are really, I think, some of the unsung hero of this methodology because so many organizations have a content nightmare. Their legacy systems are terrible. Their metadata, if they have it, is lousy. They're siloed, like you described, so so one doesn't talk to the other. So there's redundancy and all that kind of stuff. I think you've really done a remarkable job of really getting into some rich content there and what you've made available to your learners. So give us a bit. Give us a, a point in time. Where are you in the journey? How is that all going? So right now we are, well, we're, we're kind of cycling on the engage aspect. Um, we are constantly finding new people that we need to tell, then hmm. gain resources from them. So what we wound up doing is kind of circling back on that repeatedly. And what I was struggling with was the storytelling aspect hmm. of it. Hmm. And you know, you tell the story once, twice, three times, you kind of are, <laughs> it, 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 it's an, I, I won't say aggravated, but it's like, yeah. does it, why doesn't this make sense? And that's where I give credit to my manager because he has the patience of Job and uh, <laughs> is, it's also at the right level in the, in the hierarchy to have these higher level conversations because I want to dive right into the details at all sure. times. And my manager is much better at keeping it at a higher level, giving the people what they need to know so that we can get the resources that we need to move forward. So the engage level has been kind of churning a little bit, but we are making progress. We are able to get all of the ecosystems tied together. We mm. have our own search 
engine which enables that and lets us tap into the various ecosystems so we can find content from marketing we can find content from support we can find content from our educational teams so this is kind of how we're bringing it together one of the the things about the five moments that only after going through the training did it make sense for uh, to become certified in the five moments of need was the engage model I've been relying on that spreadsheet for a long time now, (laughs) and uh, I constantly return to it because when things feel uh, like they're getting too loose or getting out of control, I return to that leap model to bring myself back to center, but also to make sure that we are, are crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. So obviously we talked about the fact that you have these repositories, you have these, and I don't mean this meanly, but you have these product groups or silos that naturally form because of that, totally understandable. But that has created again for you this remarkable content management strategy. And I think that's an area that our listener would love to hear more about. It's not one we talk enough about, in my opinion, and, and obviously it's integral to the solutions you have built. So can you tell us a little bit more, Chris, about content management as a discipline there and, and sort of what you've gone through in, in, in discovering that and making it better? My Lead into five moments of need has been the e-learning guild conference. Uh, by attending that, I was able to learn about different ecosystems, content ecosystems that exist in larger companies, mm-hmm. just by listening to the various presentations that were given. So there was one particular paper that really stood out to me in there, and I still rely on on it till this day. And of course it escapes me. So I'll have to come back to that, Bob. But the way that it worked out was that the paper showed five ecosystems, six Mm. actually, including the uh, human resources side of things. And that's when the light went on for me because I was always looking at the five moments of need from a software perspective. And only then did I realize that it was primarily being used for internal training purposes. Mm. So when we first discussed doing this podcast, I, I just jotted down a draft title of turning the five moments of need inside out because I'm looking at outward subscribers rather yeah. than internal employees. Yes. So, and again, I'll find that paper and, and send it to you later, but that one paper was kind of the light that went on for me. So I was seeing that at the moment of apply, that was inside of our products and when they were doing the work. But that was content that was not yet available to the CXD organization, the content experience design. That was in development because it was all hard coded in. Mm. We would cover pretty much the new and more aspects of it with the help documentation and videos. And the change aspect was handled primarily by development and product management just the what's news and things like that, new videos showing off our our new features. And then lastly, Solve was covered by our internal support team and our customer success organization. So once I understood the ecosystem idea, I then looked at it as we have all of those inside Mm. of Autodesk. So I took it upon myself to try to figure out how could we connect these ecosystems. And I was talking with somebody in our um, search engine team at one point, and I said, don't you crawl all of these locations? And they said, yeah, we already do. And so I just had a conversation with them. Well, how do you get that information? And it really boiled down to metadata and targeted websites. So what we did was 
look at the metadata that was available in the various solutions and see what we could steal. <laughs> so yeah. we kind of um, have of this concept now where we go from the moment of need in the product, which is at the moment of apply. We've worked very diligently with our development teams to get access to those content types. So for example, a tooltip within a product or an error message within a product, each of those are opportunities to give them scaffolded information. So yes, the message tells them what went wrong, but we also want to tell them how to recover from that. Sure, sure. And so that was where we started. Our focus was at the moment of apply in the product. Because we already had new and more achieved uh, with the help documentation, we knew the metadata there was very stable mm-hmm. and set because yep. we owned it. Yes. Yep. Where we are still having challenges is with the moments of change and solve. Mm. And rather than metadata for most of that content, we are relying on the search engine for keywords. Mm. So we're able to kind of switch back and forth between metadata or keywords. The quality of the returned content solution may differ when we go to keywords, but our, our search setup is such that we are focused on Autodesk approved resources. So we are not getting yeah. external influences. So Chris, let me ask you a question then. If you had to give someone an advice or an aha on your journey into content management. What what one thing would you share that has been your biggest learning about dipping your toe into that world a bit, a bit more than most, frankly, do? Persistence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, duck when things are coming at your head. Now, uh, so as you know, I, I'm very enthusiastic about this stuff, and sometimes that enthusiasm gets the best of me. Mm. And I take things personally when I absolutely should not have taken things personally. Um, It's a matter of keeping your eye on the prize, being Mm -hmm. flexible and letting certain things go in exchange for what's really important. And that's getting the information to the subscriber as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We hear this a lot from folks. We're getting outside of our domain here. You know, we, we, we've lived our lives, uh, understandably, as the owners of content. It was our responsibilities, L&D, versioning and our analysis processes and all that kind of stuff. And this foray into the five moments as you're learning or as you so br- brilliantly outlined here takes you into other silos, takes you into other territory, other people's domain, which they are equally as protective and passionate about. It's been a similar learning for me, and particularly at the content, what we call curation or aggregation level that you're going to use other people's stuff. You're going to have to work in their world. You're going to have to understand that they have some some things they have to get around and obstacles that we'd rather that we didn't have to deal with and personalities in general, frankly. So I applaud you at going into that so persistently and getting to where where you've gotten. So, Chris, what, give me a little bit about what this is like for you and your team. We, this is a this is a common question we get. What's this mean to my organization, my learning organization? What's it mean to how we work together? Maybe, you know, how we're organized? What's it been like for your team and Autodesk to make this change together? To your point earlier about wandering outside of the content organizations in order to, to make these things happen, I still have a long way to go personally to become better at doing that. My manager is... Um, guiding me. So it's nice to have that air cover, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But also my manager is a Luma certified instructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the Luma Institute, it's uh, luma-institute.com, has given us the tools to have those conversations in a meaningful and non-threatening way with those organizations that we typically would not have engaged with in the past. So, for example, we have the customer success organization. They have a completely different set of metrics they're measured on than we are. Ultimately, they should all roll up, but they don't always roll up as cleanly as we'd like, right? I mean, the the metrics being what they are. But when you understand how they are rewarded and what they are Hmm. trying to achieve, then you can try to adjust your approach because now you understand why they're doing what they're doing and when they're doing it. And it's a better way to come to the table and and to have an agreement. It's very natural to be defensive about our own work. But as you've said a million times, it's not about taking work away. It's about making your time focused on more important things for you and your specific gains. So the Luma Institute has been adopted by Autodesk is a broad category. And so when I was struggling to have the conversations with these other silos, these content silos, my manager said, well, why don't we try some Luma exercises? And what Luma does is give you these tools that you can use. They're primarily sticky notes, quite frankly, but you have what's on my radar. For example, you may not even know what the other silo has coming at them. And similarly, they may not know what you have coming at them. So together, you put one singular radar up on the thing and you just post your most important things near the middle. And then you start looking at theirs and they start looking at yours and you start really realizing like we are not so different. We're just coming out from different angles. So the Loom Institute was our, our missing piece of the content strategy. So with five moments allowing us to discuss the content and the opportunities of presenting the content, Mm. the Luma Institute and all of the various recipes that they give you uh, really allowed us to make it go forward. Hmm. So friend, what what are your biggest challenges right now? Ah, Time, resources, uh, sanity, (laughs) uh, all of the above. No, honestly, to me, the biggest fear I have right now is messing it up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny because for so long you push and you push and you push yep. and you're not getting what you're what you're supposed to get, and suddenly people are saying, "Yeah, we're in." It's like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah." For so my biggest challenge right now is project management, mm-hmm. keeping things on track, not backsliding. One of the things that is constant is as we move this forward, new people are joining. And as new people join, they have their opinions and they have their methodologies as well. So, again, we revert to the Luma techniques for the um, onboarding of these people and just making sure that we go forward, kind of only keeping our eye on things that would be catastrophic at this point. Sure. Because we really are just dying to get this in front of more people. We've done some basic research at our Autodesk University back in November in Las Vegas. All very promising, very eye-opening in many ways, but we are in prototype mode now and, and trying to see if we can get what we've gotten so far in front of some actual subscribers. Brilliant. 
Success can haunt us sometimes, my friend. <laughs> it's putting us in, in, in a spot that we, we've not often been. So I, I, the careful what you wish for thing, I think, is insightful. Well, let's kind of segue that in, into the, our last part. I think this goes quite hand in hand with that. Lessons learned, my friend. Because a lot of people, again, I say this each time, many people in the, on these podcasts are new. They find us through LinkedIn and presentations Connor I may do, but they're still at, what were those five moments again, you know, kind of thing? Right. They're always anxious to hear lessons learned from those that have gone ahead. Well, let's start with this. What would you do differently if you were them starting out? So the engage portion of the show is really the most often overlooked by content people that I've talked to. And the reason is that we are quick to solution Mm. without considering why we're doing it. I love that. Yeah. And so – I tried to be very specific when I was engaging, and I started with my manager. That begins with bringing him up to speed on what the five moments are. And as you said many times in the past, build your own champions. So by helping my manager understand which way I wanted to see this content set go, he was able to bounce things off of me and back and forth and push back and give me that dynamic tension that you often want and need as you move forward. So the engage model for me is one that I would definitely do the process from the beginning. It's so easy to hop in in the middle, but Mm. it, it really is worth it to do it right out of the gate. You may not be able to do certain things because of your midstream. I mean, none of us start from scratch. We all kind of get thrown into this in the middle. But keep it handy. Constantly use every opportunity you can to bring the process back into it. It's very easy to get caught up in the rapids. (laughs) Brilliant. So, friend, let's wrap with this. You are how far into this? When did you start, Chris? So I started, my mental move toward this was back in 2015, I think, uh, back in the e-learning guild conference that I went to that I I captured you off to the side (laughs) with my aha moment. I was like, hey, this isn't what I thought it was at all. Um, But yeah, that was kind of... So it's been a bit. It's been a bit. It's been a bit. And and through many reorganizations, I've been developing this. And that's lessons learned is don't hold on so tight that you choke it. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. So go back five years, friend. Go back to those three years. What three things would you tell yourself if you can go back to the beginning and looking back now and starting the journey? What three things would you tell yourself to start? I would start with trying to include all levels of management at the outset. I started with my manager more as a sounding board. And then we developed a few things, moved it up, developed a few things, moved it up. But by the time we were ready to go the first time, and at least I was ready to go the first time, we got reorged. And so we oh, kind of had to start again and again and again. And and that's not uncommon. Uh, right. So the first thing is if you can get not your immediate management in it, but the higher management. And the it's tough to get the, the directors and the vice presidents and so forth. But just by bringing them up to speed on the five moments of need, you've planted the seed. Mm. Include all levels of management would be my first thing. The next thing I would do is, like I learned kind of the hard way, is connecting five moments to communication methods. And the Luma practices did help me get 
that done, but mm. you've got to be willing and able to give your elevator pitch at any point and do so in a positive and enthusiastic manner because if you show the aggravation like i was guilty of doing early on then you're effectively undercutting yourself yeah yep yeah and then lastly be ready to go at any point because you never <laughs> know when those champions are going to say hey i got that resource yeah yeah all and of a sudden so, there's your yeah so i mean it always have a neat and tidy plan in front of you regardless of its scope you and Khan have both said it many times, start small. And, mm-hmm. and that is absolutely right. I mean, we're starting by connecting the tool tips to the help content, to the forum posts, to the courseware and certification guidelines that we're setting. So, I mean, it, I didn't start with that whole picture in there, but as I looked sure. Down the line, it's like, oh, there's something else there. Let me keep going. So by being ready to go and having these fortuitous conversations, you just bump into people as, you, as you're as you trying. I mean, you realize that there's a lot more people who want you to succeed than you ever knew existed. My friend, spectacular. Your journey has been just inspiring to watch. Uh, you're a dear friend. You've always been incredibly passionate and really good at what you do. We can't thank you enough for opening up, sharing all of what you've been through. It means a lot to myself and the community at large. So thank you so much, and we wish you all the best. Great having you here today. Thanks, Bob. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, that's it for this episode of the 5 Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the 5 Moments of Need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH as well as our 5 Moments of Need website, which is www.the5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.